Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy once again coming to you. We are now on our fifth podcast uh, coming to you concerning the things that are taking place. I want to just first take a moment to greet uh, all of our listeners, whether you're joining us for the first, second, third, fourth time, fifth time. We are delighted that you could take uh, out of your time to listen to what God is saying. And we thank God for what God is doing. And I know that if you're listening today, God somehow has brought you, brought you. And we are here together to discuss things that are taking place concerning the coronavirus, trying to answer the questions that are that are being asked in this hour. Is this a God thing? Uh, what is going on? What does the Bible say? Can we find templates? Can we find parallels in the Bible that can speak to us? And that's what we are endeavoring to do, to speak. But before we, we get started, there's just a couple, two, two quick notes I wanted to make today on, on the news that is coming uh, out of, uh, uh, that we heard today, this morning. Uh, one of the news that we heard this morning is that uh, the number of coronaviruses in the U.S. brothers has surpassed 35,000, and this now makes it the nation, uh, United States, the nation with the third highest number of infectious, infections in the world behind only China and Italy. And we also know that uh, concerning the death toll has reached 471, which now makes the United States the sixth highest in the world. And we are just talking about confirmed cases alone. Um, I know many people will say, well, that's still low. Uh, we're right. making too much out of it, right? We're making too much out of this situation. But the fact is that, that, that the coronavirus, that, that, is, that it is here in our shores, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is here to stay at least for a while. You know, a couple of days ago when, when you, Brother Marty, said uh, the coronavirus has come to our shores, the, yeah. the, I, I, I sense the spirit of the Lord, I mean, the heaviness, the weight of what you were saying. You know, the way I understood it, what God was saying, it's not here just to come and leave just for a couple of days or something. Like it's about to settle and it's going to be with us here for a while. Yes. And interestingly enough, today the Surgeon General of the United States said that it's going to get worse. To be expecting right. in the next couple of days, it's going to get worse and we need to take it seriously. But something that he said that caught my attention, he said that many people, he said especially young people, are not taking it seriously. We see today young people are flocking the beaches in California, flocking the National Mall, he said, in Washington. And we know what's going on in Florida with many young people and tourists that are defying the coronavirus, warning by, by parties. We see videos that show college students drinking, smoking up. One said, if I get corona, I get the corona. But I am, but I am not going to let it stop me from partying. Another said, whatever happens, happens. Others are angry because it's messing with their spring with. But the, the reason why I'm saying this is because it, it's really showing us the attitude of this generation and others towards the situation that we have at hand. At hand. But this is really, as we've been saying, this is really the finger of God. And so 
these are the news that are happening. We have now we are there now the third uh, nation with the highest uh, of people uh, affected with the coronavirus. So uh, get ready. You know, even the the people of, in Washington are saying it's going to get worse. But anyways, it's good to be here today with you guys. Um, Brother Fernando, would you greet the people today and tell us what's in your hearts? Yeah, greetings in the name of the Lord. It's uh, it's a privilege and honor, again, to be here with you gentlemen, uh, men of God, and um glad the people are tuning in and listening. And uh, as you said, you know, it's uh, what's taking place in, and within the young generation. It's a reflection of uh, what has been preached the last 20 to 30 years from our pulpits. Uh, we have a generation that is godless, a generation that is defiant, number one, against God, against government, uh, against rules and regulations. And uh, the, the question is this, and you posed it, um, uh, and people might be listening to us, and, and maybe you share these podcasts with people, and they listen to it, and they came to the conclusion, ah, I don't know about these brothers here that are doing this podcast here. They're doing too much of the situation because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to go back to the normal life. They just can't wait till this virus comes and goes. And that's mm-hmm. really what our what preachers in America are saying today. But I want to remind them of one of the greatest preachers uh, that America ever had by the name of Billy Graham and what he said. Okay. Uh, you may not take what we're saying seriously, but he was an evangelist to the whole world. And he said this years ago. He said, if God does not judge America, he is going to have to apologize to Sodom. And a lot of people ridiculed that statement even back then. But we understand what he was saying. He was basically saying that the sins of America have so far exceeded that of Sodom, even in his day, years ago. You know, in the good old days of America, when America was was prosperous, when there was still some semblance of godliness at the higher levels of our government and and political leaders still prayed in times of calamity, right? So I think that what we're saying is not something new. It's something that we have been forewarned and foretold about um, many years ago that has come into our nation. You could go down a list of true men of God that, that saw these days coming. Uh, 9-11 was, was a forewarning, right, of, of something else that was to come. We, yes. But we didn't take heed. We, we closed our eyes to, to what's taking place. So, again, again, if you're listening, and you probably are listening again, you're maybe curious or intrigued, you want to con- continue hearing what, what we're saying, this is not something new. This is, this is something that we were foretold would take place. So out of necessity, you know, God begins to speak to men, and, and, and they say, wait a minute, you know, uh, we have to say something. And that's what really we're here to do is just to tell you, hey, something's going on, and, and you better prepare for it. Amen? Amen. Brother Marty, you know, it's, it's, it's so powerful. We're talking about the attitude right now of many people today. And there, there's a verse uh, in Second Peter that I just want to read. You know, the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. 
but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignity. And, and really, to me, that declares really the attitude, you know, what we were talking about of, of people today, or, you know, the coronavirus hits me, let it, you know, it's not going to stop me from partying. And this is a loud cry, as Brother Fernando was saying, and this is a consequence of what, you know, what's been lacking in America, which is, in the last few years, the preaching of the true gospel of Jesus Christ, man of God. And so um, would you greet the people and tell us what's in your heart, Brother Marty? Well, we greet everyone again today as we, uh, it almost feels like we're behind enemy lines, you know? Every day, and we're like, you know, putting out. <laughs> we're just like, I'm over here, and we're just, you know, trying to connect like all those disaster movies, right? I mean, we're just. Uh, it really is. I mean, we have to laugh a little in order to just get through this craziness. But uh, honestly, man, it. I think what the Lord is saying, and I believe what the Lord is saying, is that we need to fasten our seatbelts, like we were talking before the broadcast. We need to begin to prepare ourselves uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, in every way possible to begin to uh, instruct our families uh, to settle in uh, and to uh, and to do the best we can, even with our little humble podcast here, to send this word um, to every friend that we have on our on our contact list and say, you know, you can listen if you want, but this is what we believe the Lord is saying. I think that right. a couple of the things that you guys uh, pointed out are very uh, important to notice. One is that, like Brother Fernando, you were talking about 9-11 and how uh, the United States uh, refused to turn at that time. There was yeah. a limited uh, pseudo kind of, uh, you know, crying out to God, um, you know, for about 30 days. Churches were filled. People were singing songs. We were praying. But once the American people realized, well, you know, the military will take care of this. And we went right back to the party, basically. The, the right. intervening 20 years has seen the nation from that point uh, decline at such a rapid pace that we went from all the congressmen singing on the steps of the Capitol, God bless America, to the entire nation fighting for the right to kill its children and change the, the, the gender identity of their, of their babies. I mean, this is insanity. And and wow. while I can and while I can point the the finger at an ungodly culture, uh, I think like what Brother Jeremy was was talking about when he quotes Peter there, the great apostle Peter, that Peter was addressing the compromised within the church, and when he talked about them despising governments, what he was literally talking about was was the the, the corruption that had already entered into the early church even back then. And that there were presumptuous preachers uh, creating uh, ungodly congregations who never wanted to have any boundaries. That's what governments mean: the imposition of lines and boundaries, and and of, of foundational truths that they didn't want to govern themselves under. He talked about them being spots and blemishes in your feasts. Remember, he talked about them being uh, presumptuous, which is what the false prophets are like today. They go around saying, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hasn't sent them. And so as the podcasts have been going on and flowing over the last uh, three or four days, I've begun to see the Spirit of God move us in a direction to where we've come to rest now. 
because what we're endeavoring to do is to point out to the brothers and sisters that are listening that what we're really focusing on now is the church in this country. And we believe that right. we have begun to, to see parallels and patterns emerge from the Word of God. Because remember this, that the light that comes to us is always found in the Word. I like what one of the great ministers that are left in this country, uh, or actually he lives in England, but his brother Jacob Prash, he says it this way. He says, when you pray, it's you talking to God. But when you read the Word, it is God talking to you. And so that is where we go to find our answers, and we look for the parallels, we look for the patterns, and in them we have begun to see what the Holy Spirit is revealing. And so that brings us to today's podcast, because I believe that we uh, were about to hear something that, again, is addressed toward the church in this country. As we talked about yesterday, remember, people all over the country tried to go to church if they did, and they found that the, the houses of, the, of, the, of their churches, the doors of their churches were closed. They were not allowed to go and meet and congregate. And they, whether they understood it or not, I believe that that is the Lord uh, trying to speak to his people. You need to stop the madness. And the fact of the matter is, is that you have so corrupted what was once a pure gospel that flowed in this country, and you've turned it into something that is blemished and defiled, and so I will shut the doors. Today we're going to look at how God sent a prophet into the land. What kind of a person was he? Because I feel in my spirit this morning when I was seeking God that he was telling me that many of you out there, and even us brothers, if we will really reflect, uh, are like, in a sense, uh, going to experience an Amos-like encounter, if you will. That is that the Spirit of God is going to break into your life if he hasn't already and begin to take you from heading in one direction and, and make you uh, go into the direction that he desires to send you in order that in the sphere of influence that you have around you, that you will be an effective light amongst those that will listen. And you will also bring forth a word that brings correction to those who won't. Are you there? Yes, 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 we're here. All right. <laughs> so listen, let, let, let's begin with what God showed Amos, because what God showed Amos is paralleling what is happening to the, Ameri the American society right now, but specifically the church in America. In Amos chapter 8, and we encourage the people to get your Bibles, and, and if you join these podcasts, you can always pause it and go back and listen and, and look up the scriptures. But we are in the prophet Amos, the writings of the prophet Amos, Chapter 8. Now, God comes to Amos and he tells him this, chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And the Lord said to Amos, What seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. And then he said unto me, The end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again passed by them anymore. So what do we learn from this to begin with? <clears throat> Amos is being shown something by God, excuse me, <clears throat> and God asks him, what is it that you see? I heard uh, someone share just with me recently <laughs> that a man was testifying to him. Uh, oh, you just shared this, Brother Fernando, with me. And a man testified to him that he went to church to see what is it that his preachers are saying right now, right? 
Right, he right, wanted right, to right. hear what they were saying uh, because he began, it began to dawn on him, I'm not hearing much coming from the pulpit. And, and I believe God is speaking, but I'm not hearing it from the pulpit. Well, <clears throat> this is interesting because the first thing that God is revealing here is that in times of judgment, now remember, when you look at the prophets of old, what you will discover is that God raised them up from varying places. But when you look at an Isaiah or a Jeremiah or an Ezekiel, they were basically establishment prophets. Isaiah was of the royal house of Israel who became a prophet, and he walked amongst the elite. Daniel, for example, was of the princes of the royal house of Judah. Ezekiel was in the Levitical priesthood. These were establishment prophets. But they, and Jeremiah as well, had access, but they were prophets who foretold what was coming. But just before or when judgment begins to break out, God always sends the prophets or many, many times will send prophets that are completely outside the system. We see this uh, played out uh, when it comes to the, the, uh, the prophet uh, John the Baptist. Right. Yes. Even though he, he, he was born of a priestly family, God took him out of the system and made him a prophet. This is the same thing that has happened with the prophet Amos. He was not of the system, but God broke into his life and, and brought him out from obscurity. And he had a word from God. He was trained by God in obscurity. And there are many of you out there, many preachers maybe that are going to be listening to this, many young people who have a call of God on your life, families, heads of your house, whatever. God has begun to stir you and begin to open your eyes. But I digress. Listen, so my point is, is that God will use prophets from outside the system just when judgment begins to break forth or is just days ahead, or is going to get worse. So you'll have establishment prophets called of God who foretell the future, but then you have outside the establishment prophets who then begin to decry, thus saith the Lord, judgment has come. And that is exactly what we see taking place in our country today. I believe that God is stirring an underground remnant, and they are hearing from God. There are voices out there that have begun to 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 proclaim what what the lord is saying but let's take a look at the qualifications of this prophet to begin with in verse 8 we can learn some things he said that the lord god showed him something you know the bible says of the sons of issachar that's chapter 8 verse 1 of amos he said the lord has showed me something the bible says of the sons of issachar like we mentioned the other day that they were they were men who understood the times and they knew what israel should do Jesus rebuked right. the Pharisees of his, of his day, right? Because he said, you can see the signs of the weather, you know, the natural things of the sun's rising is going to be hot. Here comes the cloud. It's going to rain. He says, you, you can understand that. He said, how is it that you can't discern your own time, what God is doing in your own time? So here we have Amos testifying that God showed him something, which means that he is a spiritually enough developed and discerning person that he can see what God is saying and what God is doing in the culture. And what he said wow. that he saw was, was, was this. He said, I saw a basket of summer fruit. Now, he says that because he, that's how God revealed it to him. Remember what he said? He said, I wasn't a prophet. I was a herdman that was following the sheep, right? He said, and I was also a gatherer of sycamore. God will always mm -hmm. use things familiar to the man or woman of God to, be, to get their attention and to use that 
whatever it may be, to be instructive in them. I think of like Brother Jeremy yesterday. He said I was sitting on, on my porch while we were doing the podcast, and he said, and I saw a bunch of ants going by, right? And then he said they were carrying they were carrying food on their way to put it away because uh, you know the time was coming when they were going to need to hunker down and eat their food. And and so God used that little example there to to speak to Brother Jeremy's heart that we need to begin to prepare for what's coming. And just like the ant, like Solomon said, right? He said, you know, consider the ant, you sluggard, right? He has no master over here, but he provides for his own, right? So, so this is the, this is the sense that I'm talking to you about how God begins to speak. So Amos sees a basket of summer fruit, and what that represented was that, and what he knew by that vision was that when you have fruit in a basket in the summer, what God was literally saying was, judgment has now, uh, it, it is now ripe. The harvest has come. In other words, it, it, it has reached its full, and now it comes. And so that's why that's why Amos goes on. Uh, he then asks Amos, "What is it that you see?" He says, "I see a basket of summer fruit." Verse two, and then he says, "The Lord said to me, the end is come on my people." And oh man, I, I've really yeah. been struggling to, to even say such a thing as this, and I'll take the blame for it. But, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. <laughs> But what I am saying, brothers, is that I have a sense in my spirit that the end has come to this nation. Mm. That what we what we are seeing is going to so devastate this country that it will bring it right. to its proverbial knees. And those who are out there that are that are, you know, prophesying to the wind, they are soon going to find that they are going to come under that which they are so fearfully afraid of that judgment has come to their house and to their life every single person in this country is going to be affected by what is happening right now and jeremiah i mean amos was told by god that the end of his people had come in other words he showed him a full basket of fruit that had already been plucked so it is a past tense thing, and that is where we find ourselves in right now. It's the judgment has become has, has begun, and what he says is, "I will not again, verse two, pass by them anymore." What he's saying is, the judgment has begun, Amos, and I'm not going to walk by them to extend grace to them anymore. They must endure what has come upon them. Not from me, but from the fruit of their own doing. Now, God takes Amos from Judah, which is like 100 miles away, which is where the Orthodox temple is, if you will, or, or the true gospel as it relates spiritually to our time. And he sends him to a backslidden, compromised ten tribes of Israel which I can liken to the hyper-charismatic, backslidden establishment church of our time. And God right. sends him all the way to Bethel with this word in his heart. And now look at chapter 7, verse 14, if, if you will. Well, let's start with verse 12. Because what we see taking place and what will happen, and what's already happened, even leading up to this, is you will see a conflict break out between two ministries the ministry of the Lord, 
and the ministry of the false, the ministry of the true and the ministry of the untrue, the ministry of those that carry the presence and the anointing against those who have a false presence and a false anointing. And this is what we see in in Amos chapter 7, verse 12. It says, also, Amaziah said unto Amos, Amaziah was the prophet of the northern kingdom. He was the uh, Bill Johnson, the uh, the Kenneth Copeland, the Cindy Jacobs of his day. Come on, somebody. Right, and, right. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the blame, brothers. I'll take the blame. <laughs> he was, <laughs> so he, he, he was the one he was the Paula White right I mean he stood next to Jeroboam or or the the king uh, of, of that time Jeroboam the uh, second a descendant of the original one who began to corrupt Israel by splitting apart from Rehoboam after the death of Solomon if you know your Bible history now this all these years later it has blossomed into this horrific thing and God sends Amos to this false prophet he can represent all the false prophets we could call up today but we see here in verse 12 uh, the false prophet coming against the true prophet. They don't want right. to hear the word, right? And what right. does he say right. to him? What does he say to him in verse twelve? Uh, he says, "O thou seer, go." Now, first of all, he knows this guy carries the presence of God. Yeah, right. He cannot deny the anointing is on his life. That is the prophet Amos, right? Because he calls him a seer. He calls him a seer. He knows. Yes. He tells him he tells him go away. And then he says flee. So he these kinds of backslidden prophets they have an intimidating spirit, right? They're an aggressive type uh ministry. They want to they want to put far away from themselves a a a move of God that they don't agree with. And and then right. it's also an, it's an intimidating thing. You get out of here. Right, you flee away and go back to your old time religion, if you will. Yeah, right? go home. <laughs> go home to the land of Judah, right? Go back over there. That's where you go. Go to the other. Go to the reservation and hang out with the Indian churches, right? I mean, that's what he's saying. <laughs> right. Go down to Indio and hang out with Jeremy and Fernando. I mean, get out of here. That's basically what he's being told, right? That's, the, the, that's the, the California the Jew version. Yeah, the California, all the remnant churches out there, in essence, that's what he's saying. Go go back to you old-fashioned people, right? You know, you guys who believe in the Word of God just as it is, and you guys who believe in the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, all those old songs of the church. You go back there. Don't come here. And he says, go eat the Word over there, right? You There, eat your bread, and and, and you guys prophesy over there. Now, why did God send Amos from there to them? Well, what it reveals to us is there was no true prophets amongst them. They were not going to hear the word of God. But God is always a God of grace and mercy, and he will always uh, send the town crier, if you will, to unfurl the edict from the king, right? That's kind of what Amos was doing. He comes in to to the realm of this backslidden, compromised religious system. He unfurls the decree from the Lord, and it upsets the apple cart, and they tell him to go away. But it shows that it was such a desperate time, and God will never bring judgment except he first announces it and makes it clear. So that's what he's doing right now in the United States. I believe we have a tiny part of that as God is moving on our spirits. Now, what he says here is, don't come back, verse 13. 
prophesy not again anymore where? At Bethel, right? Right. He says, because it's the king's chapel. It's the king's court. You know, don't come up in here with your with your madness. Don't come up in here and bring a negative word. We don't want to hear that kind of thing. It it can't even penetrate our minds or our heart. But this is what Amos says. He says, then answered Amos, and he said to Amaziah, I wasn't a prophet, and I wasn't a prophet's son. I was a herdman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But the Lord took me, hallelujah, Amen. as I followed Amen. the flock. You know what Je- Amos is saying? He goes, I was just a regular dude, man, kicking back. You know, my dad, I, didn't, I don't come from this long uh, uh, line of, 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 of establishment prophets. I'm not part of the aristocracy. I'm not here on my own. It's like Jeremiah said, man, it's like fire in my bones. I can't keep my quiet, right? Jesus said to them uh, when the Pharisees told the children that were crying out Hosanna to the son of David, right? They were calling him Messiah. They were telling them to be quiet. He says, if they're quiet, he says, the very rocks will prophesy against you, right? The rocks will cry. So Amos is basically revealing, I didn't have a calling, but now I do. And I didn't take this calling to myself. It was God who took me. I was just a regular guy following the sheep. He was no particular great leader. Shepherds lead the sheep. (laughs) He was so low on right. He was so low on the rung. I just brought up the rear. (laughs) Yeah, he was following mm. the sheep. (laughs) Yes. So my point is, is that there is a group of people out there for the last several years. God's been getting a hold of and preparing you for such a time as this. You weren't much. You weren't recognized. You weren't even noticed. But God saw you. God saw your heart. And when the time has come, which I believe the time is now, he says, not only am I going to bring you forward, but I'm going to anoint you and cause you to prophesy to my people. And that's what Amos said. He said, the Lord took me in verse 15, and he told me, go prophesy to my people. And now the anointing begins to flow. His life was arrested by God, but he was obedient to the commission, right? He said, look, Right. He's a man of obedience, right? He said, the Lord said, go, so I've come. He was obedient to the commission, and the anointing begins to be on display. Because now from, from verse 12, by the time we get to verse 16, now he's functioning as a prophet. When you least expected it, God shook up your life. That is mm-hmm. what it is. And, and now he's saying, now, they, now if you'll enter in, Right now, I'm telling you, and I'm speaking by the Spirit right now, if you will be obedient wherever you are and wherever you're listening and whoever and whenever you're listening right now, if you will be obedient and enter into the commission and call of God, he's going to empower you and cause you to to function in, in the call, how he's called you. And that's why he says in verse 16, he's now functioning in this office. He says, now, therefore, Hear thou the word of the Lord. So he begins to function as a prophet. And what does he say to him? He says, uh, says, you tell me not to prophesy against Israel and drop not your word against the house of Jacob. But then he says this in verse 17. This is his message in verse 17. And this is where, now fasten your seatbelt because this is where we'll go quick. And you guys jump in anytime you want. He says in verse 17, he says, therefore, thus says the Lord. You know what's going to happen to you, Amaziah, and you Amaziah types? 
You know what's going to happen to all you false prophets here in America who have led the people to this point of judgment? Well, that's harsh. Hear the word of the Lord. He says, he says, your wife, he tells Amaziah, is going to be a harlot in this city. In other words, he says, the judgment, when we come out of this judgment, he says, the wife that you took, and what is that representative of, Brother Marty? That's representative of all those false ministries and false churches that were produced by these false prophets like Amaziah. The end of this is going to be that she will be leaderless, but she will be so consumed by the spirit of lust and sensuality. And what he's telling him is that, that you have made and married yourself and produced to yourself a false bride. And when you're taken off the scene, which is happening right now, whether people can see it or not, he says, when this is over, those churches you created, she's going to become a harlot in the city. This is a prefigure and a foreshadow, if you will, of that coming whore of Babylon. That's what's emerging in its fullness right now. She will sell herself. She's going to sell herself because that's what a harlot does, right? She sells herself for what? For materialism and and demonic sensuality. Brother, if you'll be honest, brothers and sisters and those of you listening right now, all you have to do is turn on major international Christian networks and look at the women that are being paraded before us mostly. They're no longer, uh, like the Bible says in in Peter, like, like the holy women of old who were chaste and holy and, and modest. No, they're wearing the tightest jeans and, 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 and they've paraded around with their breast implants and their teased hair and their little tattoos that say, I love Jesus. These women have become harlots and they are the pastor's wives. Come on, somebody. That's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, he, he says, you listen to me, you false shepherds. He says, the very, the very wife that you've married yourself to, she's going to become a whore in the city because you're going to be taken off the scene. And the only thing that she'll be left to do, because you've so corrupted her with your ministry, that she's going to be turned out. And then he says this, your sons and your daughters are going to fall by the sword. That's a heavy thing that he's saying there, because what the Lord right. was telling him to say was that, that these children that were produced, these false salvations, these false conversions, what are they? And what was he saying to them? He says, the result of the fruit of your ministry is that God is going to judge it and you shall have no legacy. There will be no legacy for you. It will be brought down. And let's take it a little further because Brother Jeremy was was mentioning the youth of our city, of our nation, where he saw them all in Miami and all over the different places at spring break, right? He said, your sons and your daughters are going to fall. These rebellious children are going to fall, whether they realize it or not. They are not immune to this judgment, and that's what Amos was pointing out by the word of the Lord. That's what God is saying to America. He goes on to say that your land is going to be divided by line. In other words, everything that you thought was yours, everything that you have built is about to be broken apart and taken away and given to others. And he says you're going to die in a polluted land. In other words, when it's over, you're going to die in the very land that you defiled. It is the fruit of your corrupted ministries. That's what has happened. That has what has begun to happen. Now, remember, those of you listening, we're talking about the compromised church in America, and we're putting forth the word of the Lord 
This judgment has come finally and lastly to the shores of America, not because of the the worldly among us, but because of the evil, compromised, uh, backslidden, uh, thoroughly controlled by another spirit, uh, hyper churches in this country and their desire to be in the high places, the prosperity places, joining themselves with political powers controlled by devils. They're coming down. We're just at the beginning of this, and they do not know it. They do not see it. They do not understand it. Now, quickly, got anything to say yet, guys? Yeah, Revelations 2.20, the Lord speaks to the church of Thyatira, um, and he speaks of the very same thing that Amos is prophesying to uh, Israel about. Uh, He says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent. Mm-hmm. Notice, the Lord has been given us space to repent yes, of her space fornication. And she repented not. So the Lord has to answer. Right when when a people refuse to repent, and I would say from nine eleven till this whole coronavirus issue, that has been a space to repent. Um, but it says, "Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death." My goodness. And all the churches shall know. Notice. So he is trying to send a message through this the uh, compromised church to his mm-hmm. people. Yes. They shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and heart, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. That's powerful, man. That's a powerful scripture right there. And yes, that goes right with the flow of what, of flow of what, what we're saying. And so then we come into chapter 8. And Brother Jeremy, you have something to say? No, no, just just the people to to continue to keep in mind the question that you asked in the beginning. What dost thou see? What dost thou see? Keep that in mind. This is what the Lord is showing us. And again, we're speaking about, you you posed the question in the beginning, what dost thou see? How does God send a prophet to the land? And now we're speaking about an Amos-like encounter and how the Lord is dealing today with people out of nowhere to begin to open up their eyes to see things for what they are, for what they are. So just keep that in mind. The Lord is speaking right now. Let me say one thing. Let me say, before you you go on, Brother Marty, um, this is not an easy thing we're we're saying, right? This, it's it's a burden. (laughs) It's a burdensome message. We get it. It, 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 You know, it really, really uh, makes you examine your life. That's really what the name Amos means, a burden, right? Yeah, uh, burden. Amaziah, Amaziah's name means uh, Jehovah is mighty, right? And, and that's that's really the, the 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 point of all this. There's two messages going forward. The mm-hmm. compromised church is saying Jehovah is mighty. He's going to help us. He's going to drive away this virus away. And and then you have the Amos message message that says no, he's not going to. Actually, God's judgment is going to get worse and worse. You know, it's harvest time. The fruit has been gathered, has been picked. At the point of rotting, really, you know, yes. the end 
has come. So there's two uh, messages going forth. There's there's the false church that says Jehovah is mighty, and then there's the message that's a burdensome message. And that's what we want the listener to understand. Again, going back to it, what message are you listening to and what message are you believing? Amen. And and, and that that's what he asked Amos, right? What seest thou? And that's the question right. we need to ask us. What is it that you see? What are you truly seeing? And I'm speaking to the preachers of God, whoever's listening. What is it that you see? And why do you see it? And what justification for what you see? Do your homework. Search the scriptures. Get on your knees. Seek God like you've never sought him before. Because the shepherds are going to be held accountable in this hour greater than any right. others in the church. Because they know the That's Lord. Right. They have known his word. They once knew his presence. But they are being called to account for the fruit of their ministry. They are like children that came into a, an inheritance. And they ran around the temple, if you will, and corrupted themselves. They created an elite class that separated themselves from the little people, quote-unquote, and began to steal from them, reap down uh, the houses of widows, as Jesus said, and began to propagate a gospel of health, of wealth, of, of all kinds of corruption, of leniency, of hyper-grace. We could go down the list. But this is where we're at. And Brother Fernando and Brother Jeremy, I want to uh, just a little bit for about the next two minutes talk about this, because you went over to the to the seven churches, because many people are wondering, what is okay? You guys are saying all this intense stuff, but does that mean that everything's going to end? No, it doesn't. No. What it means, like we've been talking about, is that there was darkness that came upon the face of the earth during the time of the Exodus, which put all those people in lockdown. In other words, they couldn't go out of their houses. But the darkness lifted momentarily in order to allow the people to go back out. But it was that preparation period, like Brother uh, Fernando just quoted from the book of Revelation with the Lord Jesus saying, I have given you a space to repent. When we emerge from this, it may not be a full emergence, but it will be enough time for those who have gone through it to say, if you haven't already, my God, I need to repent. My family needs to repent. We need to get close to God. We need to, like the children of Israel who were warned that the destroyer is coming, go select a lamb without blemish and, and bring it to our house and begin to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to the doorposts of our house and to, and to shut ourselves away under the protective hand of God. Now, you quoting the book of Revelation, I believe, brothers, that we have we have already begun to see the loosening of the seals of the book of Revelation. Brother Fernando mentioned in, uh, that 9-11. 9-11 was something, another event that impacted the entire globe, remember. And when you see these seals begin to lo be loosed, they are seals uh, that affect the entire planet. That is why we are talking the way that we're talking right now, because what we're experiencing and what we're going through is literally a global event. It's planet-wide. It's not in a particular territory. It's not in an, over there in Africa or whatever. It's everywhere, and that's never happened before. Not in my lifetime, and I'm almost 60 years old. Not in the lifetime of, of our parents. They, they'll tell you, we've never seen anything like this. So, again, going back to the seals now, I believe that the seal was open uh, on 9-11. Though there are those who teach that the seals have actually been being opened and revisited over the last 2,000 years, I could say, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can. I, I, that doesn't do any violence to Scripture. But Jesus spoke about birth pangs and them getting closer and closer. 
I think that the first seal was opened on 9-11. Why do we say that? For those of you who have your Bibles, you can check it out later. Revelation chapter 6, the first seal that is opened is a man sitting on a white horse, right? He goes forth to conquering and to conquer. Well, if you go back to 9-11, what you'll, what you'll see there is that's exactly what happened. This war footing came upon the whole globe. An event took place that brought down the, the two World Trade Center, brought down uh, or actually crashed into the Pentagon, right? The entire economic system collapsed. It was, it was something that unleashed a mobilization of the Western powers and others all over the world to deal with this thing called terrorism, right? And what began mm-hmm. to happen out of that was a move toward the uh, the tracking of every person on the face of the earth. What are you saying? I'm saying the result of the white horse is that the world is on a war footing that doesn't end. Remember, he goes forth to conquer, uh, conquering and to conquer. It's a twofold right. thing. So, so we have a, an initial event and then a continuing conquering event. So what happened out of 9-11 is the whole world, in essence, went to war footing. The, the great scourge at the time was radical Islam. We have to go, you know, and, 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 and they're everywhere, right? But what, what, what policies came out of it and have been flowing ever since has been the framework back then, which has now evolved and blossomed into a, an, an entire planet that is now capable of being tracked by the demonic powers that control the ruling class elite. So I believe that we saw the first seal opened already, and I think 9-11 was the catalyst to it. We could talk about the second seal and the third seal and the fourth seal, because truly right now we are in the fourth seal. Death and hell are riding across the planet. The sword is raging. Hunger is raging. Uh, the, the plague has come, and what is what is just ahead of us is being hurt by the beasts of the earth, which is representative of the Antichrist and the false prophet. But let's go back to Amos and finish up quickly for today. Because in Amos chapter 8, yes. I just wanted to interject something very, very powerful to hear from from the book of Amos that you've been reading in chapter 7. When Amos is sent to Amaziah, and Amaziah responds to him and tells him, tells tells Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah. There eat bread and prophesy there, but prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel or, or, or the king's sanctuary. And, and what we need to understand, too, that whenever the true word of the Lord comes, there's going to be opposition. And the yeah. enemy right. will do whatever it takes to, to send it somewhere else, to resist it. You know why? Because it's, it's hitting in their pockets. It's hitting their pockets. It's, 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 it's revealing what's really in their hearts. So we're going to feel also a very strong opposition from the very church when we declare these things, when we speak in the manner that we speak, when the word of the Lord goes by. For example, in First King, in the days of Jeroboam, remember when the kingdom was divided to 10 tribes, right? And Jeroboam yes. was put in charge. The Bible says, I'm paraphrasing, he was afraid that the people would go to Jerusalem and turn against him. So what did he do? He built two uh, two altars, two calf uh, altars, one in Bethel, yes. one in Dan, to distract the people 
from them encountering the true presence of God, the the the, the true word of the Lord. So my point yeah. today is just to interject that that whenever the true word of the Lord is coming out, it shall be opposed because it is yeah. revealing, it is it is it is stripping the false prophets of their false gospel that they preach. I just wanted to interject that, man of God. That's good. And and well let's look at that again because of what you quoted there. Uh it made me think of this, brother, and I'm just gonna say it so you guys don't get blamed for it, okay? Because I really don't care. And I know you don't either, but guilty, but I'm older than you, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than you, so I'll, I'll stand in front of you, brother. But listen, uh he says in verse thirteen what Brother Jeremy quoted, he says, prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, right? Why? Because it's the king's chapel. It's the king's yes. work. Right now, now this is what we don't want to hear. What the evangelical community in the United States, this Northern Kingdom spirit, if you will, that has joined itself to to the to the president's palace, right, to the president's chapel, his place of worship, right. That is what they have done with this man, elevating him like Brother Fernando talked about the other day. They've made him out to be a messiah. Are you kidding me? I don't blame him. He He's flatly out of his mouth says, you know, I'm trying to find out, you know, what this is all about. But he has surrounded himself with compromised evangelical leadership. And and, yes. and if you if you come against – think about it, brothers. If we came against that narrative anywhere over the last three years before this thing happened, we would have been squashed like bugs. We would have been called, yeah. you know, doom and gloomers and, you know, we're just rebellious and we can't see the hand of the Lord. I've had those kinds of things happen just amongst people that I know. They get angry because I say, look, Jesus doesn't wrap himself in the American flag and wear a make America great hat again. I mean, that's how they think. They think Jesus is, is, is a Trump supporter. Jesus is the king of right. kings and the Lord of lords, and he shares his yes. glory with no one. And he's soon no to come, and, and we will see who the true King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is. Not too many days from now, but listen. So he tell the God sends him to Bethel, and and Amaziah stands in front of the king as a shield, in in the attempt to thwart the true message reaching the yes. ears of the president or the king, if you will. That's Some good. Of the decisions, that's good. Well, that's what you just said. Some of the some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, decisions this man has been making just over the last couple of weeks are very questionable, and 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 really, I know he's being counseled by false prophets, you know, and I know that he's 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 not being led in the right way. He's coming slowly to what is going to be inevitably so plain to everybody that we should have done this before. This is the entire destabilization of an entire nation, and not just any nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet. No one, no one, especially the compromised church in this country, ever thought that the United States could be brought to its knees to this extent, though it's always been in the word of God. The pattern is there. The warning is there. I'm reminded of Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. He wrote that great book, The Harbinger. I'm not really a novel kind of fan, but the research he did and the conclusions that he came to in it, for a, for a short season, he was elevated into the nation. And when he first came out, what he was saying was, look, uh, God has given us an interim period, but if we do not turn and repent now, ultimately, it's going to lead to the destruction of this nation. 
And that is what I believe we are seeing. Because when God says in Amos, which is we come back to Amos now, uh, verse 2, he says, he said, Amos, what do you see? Amos chapter 8, verse 2, he says, I see a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end is come upon my people of Israel, right? The end has come. And that's what we don't want to hear. And that's where I'm stepping out and right. taking a chance here, right? Because I think there's prophets out there that are really afraid to say what they sense in their hearts. Because because these are these things are being recorded, right? So, you know, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I am telling you this. And I say it again, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but if the pattern holds true, what we are witnessing is that this whole thing is coming down. And and we can't even fathom it. It, it puts us into a position of numbness on us if we try to comprehend it. But it is what the pattern is. That's why he showed him that basket of fruit, like like Brother Fernando said. You know, the fruit has already been picked. It's not coming. It's not going to happen. It's happening, and God is re- is revealing that the end has come upon this wicked establishment, this compromised, mega, defiled, corrupted church, and its people across the landscape are over. It's done. The great houses are about to come down. And he says, when the time of judgment comes, he tells Jeremiah, I will not pass by them anymore. In other words, there is no repentance for you. I gave you all this time, like Brother Fernando quoted out of the book of Revelation with the church at Thyatira. He says, I gave you a space to repent. I sent my prophets early, all the way back from 1906 up through, uh, you know, Brother Havner uh, into Brother Tozer, through Brother Leonard Ravenhill, who came from across the sea and spent his last 30 years here in America, into Brother David Wilkerson. You know, these men of God he sent early. And then I believe that Rabbi Khan was a prophet to the nation early on when God raised him up in the early uh, 2006 through like 2013 in that time frame. A Jewish man, by the way. God sends to America saying, okay, this is what actually happened on 9-11, he said, but now if we don't turn and repent, worse is coming. And so I think that's where we are now, is that the end has come. That is what God is saying, and it is so far beyond our capacity to deal with it. We don't even want to hear it. We're even afraid to say it. But he says, understand this, I will not again pass by them anymore. That's God speak. That's how God says, look. You blew it. I tried and tried and tried and tried to reach you, but you got worse and worse and worse. Let me give you a statistic, brothers. When that movie came out early or late last year, or early last year, I forget when it was, that abortion movie. I don't know if yeah. you remember. I forget, I forget the name of it now. But anyway, uh, I read a statistic that said that they interviewed something like, I don't know, several thousand women in abortion clinics. They interviewed women who had had an abortion of them claim to have faith in Jesus Christ or in some sort of uh, Christian religion. 66%. So we're not talking about the world being guilty of shedding the blood of the innocent. We're talking about a corrupted church that has worked overtime to hide its sins. But God has said, enough is enough. He says, I will not pass by them anymore. In other words, your grace has come to an end. That's why when you get to chapter 9, verse 1, he sees the Lord standing on the altar, right? And he and he yes. sees, and he sees tells them to smite the lintel of the door. Well, that we were talking about how that, that harkens back to Passover. He tells him to smite the lintel of the door. 
what that is reflective of how judgment has come and there is no blood, right? There's no blood. You you you've exceeded your allotment, if you will, of 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 of, of a time frame to repent. And now all that is left to you is what we're witnessing right now take place across our country. He said, I will not pass by them anymore. And then he says this in verse three, and I'm going to hurry. And you jump in if you want to anytime. He says in verse three, he says, uh, in, in verse three, he says, the song of the temple right, has become howling. Oh. Did you hear that? This, yes. this whole praise movement, this jump up and down imitation of the Kundalini spirit from India, right? That has gripped the church. My God, brothers, just just Google yoga, Christian yoga. There's no such thing as Christian yoga. But we've got right. we've got yeah. churches all over the land having yoga classes. These these foolish people. I I, I have a, a ministry that my wife and I support, Brother David Andrew, who has spent a good portion of the last 15 years of his life in India. And and I asked him about this whole yoga movement was in the church before they shut the church doors, right? This whole yoga movement in the church. And he said, they don't know what they're doing. He says, the Christians in India look at the Christians in America doing yoga and say, what are they doing? They said, these are... Uh, this is from the false god. This is from all the gods of, of Hinduism. And they say when they get into the different positions, you know, the dog or the whatever. I don't even know what they call them. I know the dog one. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, well, he says when they get into these positions, the Hindus know that the positions are specifically designed to draw upon them the demonic gods that, that those positions reflect. This is what's been going on in our hyper-mega churches. You know, they've been having these yeah. yoga, Christian yoga classes. It's it's what Brother Fernando was talking about earlier, putting labels of Christianity on altars in Bethel of the compromise. Right. Now, I digress. So he says, your songs of the temple, your houses of worship that once had this false praise and worship are now going to be turned to howling in the day, uh, in that day, says the Lord. Now, listen to this. And I don't mean to scare anybody, but this is what you're going to see. The next thing is what? And there shall be many dead bodies in every place. Are you listening? Yes. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. That is what's happening now, brothers. Within the next few days, maybe a week or so, maybe sooner. And maybe just a little longer, but not much. The United States is going to become the the nation that has more infected people on the planet. It will surpass China. It will surpass Italy. If we're hearing from the word of the Lord, the United States will be the worst devastated and dealt with out of all the nations. It will finish number one. And it is a result of its wicked preachers and its wicked churches that finally blossomed into a generation that was worthy because it refused to repent and turn to the spirit of the Lord who extended the hand saying, turn from your wicked ways. As a result, we're going to see many dead bodies in every place. And lest we think, brothers, that anyone is immune, there's already five United States senators, the, the, the pinnacle of power in this country that have been diagnosed with this virus. There are many of our entertainment stars 
are sports stars. The elite are being That's touched. Right. High profile people. High profile people because no one, Amos said, would be immune. Many dead bodies we're going to see. And then he says, and they'll cast them forth with silence. They won't even be able to lament or cry. The death will be so great. You look at Italy and you see. They, I saw a film of, of, I don't know, it was like 20, 30 military transport vehicles. And they said, those vehicles are all filled with coffins of people who have died in Italy. And it was a parade of like 30 big transport vehicles and people hanging out their balconies of their apartments as, as the trucks went by. And not one of them was crying. Not one of them was saying a word. They were so stunned at what they were witnessing. The dead were being taken forth. And they were silent. So he oh. says, hear, hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. Notice how he transitions now. He deals with the spirit, and now he's beginning to deal with the economy. Oh, my gosh, we only have a few minutes left, but listen to this. He says, you that swallow up the needy, and even to make the poor of the land to fail. Isn't that what they've done? They've shut every restaurant, every bar, every business, every non-essential, quote-unquote, place of business has been shut. And the people that have jobs no longer have jobs. The poor can't make their rent. And we've got a Congress in the United States and a Senate fighting with each other over who's going to get the biggest piece of the pie while the poor are failing and the needy are crying out for help. But no help will come. And listen to what they say in verse 5, because this is Wall Street, brother. What do they say? When will the new moon be gone that we may what? Sell corn, right? The new moon was meant to, was meant to represent a transition into the worship of God, a new Sabbath, a new month, so to speak, a new beginning. They don't want to hear of the judgment. All they're concerned about on Wall Street and on Capitol Hill and across the land is the economy and globally, right? When is this going to be done so we can start selling again? And the Sabbath, that's that's the Lord's Day, right? That we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying balances by deceit. That's what they're doing right now in Congress, putting together this $2 trillion bill. I read an article where $500 billion of this bill is being proposed by Secretary Munchen and his Wall Street guys. They put in the bill that 500 billion of the 2 trillion 500 billion goes to the corporate executives and no and, and without oversight <laughs> so they can't like account for it you know they're basically saying we're going to take 500 billion dollars and give you guys 1.5 trillion dollars but we're going to keep 500 billion dollars and Incredible. we don't have to give it and we don't have to give an account that is brother uh, a sign that judgment is full underway because God says you falsify the balances by deceit. Why? That we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes and sell refuse for wheat. What is that representative of, brother? But this is what the Federal Reserve is doing. They're interjecting huge right. amounts of cash into the economic system that has no guarantee for it. In other words, the major banking houses across the nation are able to now borrow money with no collateral, which is weakening the entire economic system so that your money and your savings account, it's about to be wiped out. And listen, wow. the Federal Reserve for the first time is propping up 
the economy by buying federal treasuries and federal bonds. It's driving up the interest rate and moving money into that position. But now they're talking about literally buying stocks for the first time. That is owning pieces of the American corporate system. What are they doing? They are literally buying the poor for silver. Those that had their mutual funds and their little stock investments, hopefully having a pension when they get older, it's being wiped out and and their ability to reinvest is being taken, and everything is being bought up by the spirit of these greedy people. Now listen, let's close with this. So the Lord has sworn in his excellency of Jacob, what does he say, verse 7? I will never, ever forget what they have done. And he says, shall not the land tremble for this? And everyone will mourn that dwells there. This is where we are. And listen, like we talked about yesterday, it's going to rise up like a flood and it shall cast out and it shall drown even like a flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, I will cause the sun to go down at noon and I will darken the earth in a clear day. In other words, even though the sun is shining, the, ref- the, 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 the result of what we're experiencing right now is going to be, it don't matter how bright the sun is out there, a darkness has come upon the land. He's going to darken the earth, even in a clear day. I'm going to turn your feast in the morning and all your songs into lamentation. I will cause sackcloth to come up upon all loins, baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only son. The end thereof is a bitter day. Fasten your seatbelts. That is where we are. But to God's people, I don't want to end it on such a, you know, downer note, man, but 9-11, Amos 9-11, he says, to my people in that day, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David that has been fallen. And I'm going to close the breaches of it. And I will raise up its ruins, his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. This fire, brother, is going to cause his people, the repentant of heart in the church and the repentant of heart in the world. Even now, some of your friends that you know that aren't saved, they're they're starting to want to come toward the Lord because they're afraid. He's going to raise up a tabernacle. A true church is going to come out of this fire, just like the true church came out when the destroyer passed through that night and the true church came out. The ones that were in the house where the blood was applied, they came out. And the beginning of the tribulation period began. But a true church, the type of it, that is, the true church is going to emerge out of this fire. And like Brother Fernando said yesterday, the tabernacle of David is marked by great worship and praise. True worship is going to be restored from a pure bride. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and it will be as in the days of old, even as when the Spirit was outpoured upon his temple upon his tabernacle, upon his church on the day of Pentecost, and it filled all the house where they were at. And so be encouraged, those of you, you don't have to be afraid. This word is for a compromise, for the Amaziahs of the world, for the spirit of the northern kingdom that has gripped this land for too long. But you who love the Lord, as Daniel was told by the angel, none of the wicked, that is the wicked in the house of God, shall understand, but the wise will understand. They will be purified through this. They will be tried, but they will come forth white as snow. Jesus is coming. 
Would you close this out, brothers? Amen. Yes. Amen. Fernando, would you close today, please? Amen. There's a very heavy word and uh, a word that needs to really be contemplated and thought about as we finish uh, in this podcast. Um, the, the prophet Amos used the deliverance of Israel from Egypt as a point of reference for uh, God's judgment and reminded them um, uh, really to, to do what we're asking the people to do, which is to, in this time where we're under self-quarantine, to really begin to inspect the lamb, to really examine ourselves, you know, before the cross of Christ. Have have we strayed away and, and are we really considering uh, what God is saying? Are we surrendering our lives to him totally and completely? Um, the The exodus, uh, from, from uh, Egypt was the gospel of the of the, the Jews in, in, in the Old Testament. They always referred back to it as the great deliverance. Today, yeah. we look back 2,000 years ago, and that is our exodus. That is our deliverance. Praise Jesus God. died. The Lamb of God died on the cross and was buried and rose on the third day and went to heaven, ascended to heaven, and he's coming back again. That's the gospel that we have to reflect and 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 really examine ourselves to see, as Paul said, to see if you are in the faith, Amen. And we have this promise that uh, we're going to make it through uh, this time of trial if we hold on to God's hand. And uh, I want to just close in prayer. I sense that God is dealing with some hearts through the ether waves, right? The people that are listening and. Uh, I sense there's there's a few of you that will be listening. This is a pre-recorded podcast, but you will listen to to this message and and really self-reflect and analyze your life. And what you need to do is repent from your way. You know, even if you think you yes. stand right before the Lord, repent. There's still many Amen. things, hidden things in our hearts, right? The David says, "Search us, search me, O God, try me, know my ways, right? See if there be any wicked way." within me. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and, 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 and as we pray, you pray along and, and believe. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. As your servants yes. that are being stirred, Lord, by your word, to come forth to your people, Lord, through this podcast. Lord, even ourselves, Lord, if there's anything in our hearts that we need to repent from, we repent, oh God. We feel, Lord, the, the weight. We feel the sins of your people, Lord. We feel the, the sins of the nation, the abominations that we have committed, Lord. But we have sinned before you, O oh God. Yes. But Lord, we know that the power of the blood of Jesus can cleanse, O oh God. Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Come, says the Lord, let us reason. The Lord is saying to you that are listening, come, let us reason. He, he wants to reason with you. He wants to forgive you. He, he, he wants to heal you. He wants, he wants to, to break that hardened heart. He wants to soften it. He wants to put his spirit in your life. But all you have to do is just cry out to him and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I make myself available to you. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my trespasses. Forgive me for not taking heed to thy judgments. Forgive me for not taking yes. heed to thy statutes, O oh Lord. 
Today, yeah. Lord, I want to walk in obedience, for you no longer desire sacrifice. You don't want sacrifice, Lord. You want obedience, O oh God, obedience mm-hmm. unto thy word and to thy commandments, O oh Lord. And, Father, I ask, Lord, that the blood of Jesus will cover every heart that makes this prayer and wash every heart that makes this prayer right now. I ask, Lord, that you will reveal yourself in a mightier way. I ask that your presence will come down to wherever they're at. Maybe they're listening in their bedroom or in their living room. Maybe the family is gathering around uh, 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 hearing this, this, this podcast. Lord, I pray Maybe that you will bless their hearts, that you will heal their hearts, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have spoken to us today, O oh Lord. We tremble in thy sight, O oh Lord. We know, Lord, that you are a holy God. You don't share your glory with anyone, O oh God. No. We, we, we feel that reverence, O oh God. We feel the tug of the Holy Spirit bringing us to our knees, bringing us to, to weep and howl, Lord, for your mercy, O oh God, upon us, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the peace of God. And I pray for the peace of God right now to reach into that heart, to touch that heart right now that is surrendering, that heart that is repenting right now, oh Lord. Speak to their hearts and have your way. Lord, we are the clay and you are the potter. And we thank you for that, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. And I, again, we want to just encourage you. I know this is a, a real hard message, but there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's, there's joy in Jesus Christ. All is not lost. We are his children. We have been adopted by him. We have that spirit within us that cries, Abba, Father. He is our father, and he will take care of his children. We pray that you've enjoyed this podcast. and. Uh, we, we ask you again to share this podcast with whoever you can, and I guarantee you that they will be blessed. We're in a time of self-quarantine, so pretty much everybody has a lot of free time, and I'm sure that listening to this podcast would benefit them. And we want to thank you for joining us today in this podcast. And as we always say, keep looking up, and God bless you.